This is the Athletic Football Show. Welcome to Prospects of Pros. I'm Andy Staples. He's Dane Brugler, and it's almost here. It is almost time. We are barely a week away from the NFL draft. Dane has gone into overdrive. He wrote you a book already, The Beast. This week, it's a seven-round mock draft. And Dane, it took you until pick number two to introduce <laughs> some real drama to, to the proceedings. I, I will I will read a dramatic reading from the works of Dane Brugler. As I grow more and more confident about the pick at number one, I feel less sure about what the Texans will do at number two. I'm told there isn't a unanimous belief among the Houston coaches that available quarterbacks will be worthy of the pick. Holy crap, Dane. This is what Lance Zerline told us last week in our mock. He's like, I'm going to be the Texans, and I'm not going to pick a quarterback. Is that real? Let's give Lance a lot of credit because he he was uh, out in front of this uh, you know a couple weeks ago and you know you heard it here on, on Prospects of Pros he's been talking about it um, I that's exactly what I was told is that the offensive coaching staff which we know you know they're it's a new regime there in Houston they are not, if Bryce Young is the number one pick which I think feels more and more uh, like it's going to happen as we get closer to the draft uh, assuming Bryce Young goes Warren Carolina. The offensive coaches, there's just not a universal belief, uh, a collective uh, a belief among those coaches that there is a quarterback worthy of the number two pick. Um, now, at the end of the day, uh, Nick Casario, D'Amico Ryans could say, you know what, uh, we're not 100% sold, but we need a quarterback and we feel good enough about C.J. Stroud. Could that still happen? Absolutely, it's possible. But I, it's becoming more and more uh, 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 possible that we see them either trade out of number two. Uh, you know, I, I, the Colts, I just have a hard time believing the Colts and Texans would do a deal for a quarterback like that. You know, two uh, division, division foes like, yeah, yeah. like that, that's, that's a little tough to swallow. But you know what? I, maybe, you never know. I mean, I, last year, the... Uh, or two years ago, the the Eagles and the Cowboys, one of the biggest rivalries in the NFL, they did a deal where uh, allowed the Cowboys to go up and get Micah Parsons. Um, you know, last year we saw the Vikings and, and the Lions do a deal, so the Lions could go up and get Jamison Williams. Uh, so you know, it's uh, it's not something. It's not like we've never seen it before, but this isn't a top five of the draft, top three to go get a quarterback, and that's where it, it gets a little dicey. But if that does happen, man, it, it gets interesting quick because if uh, the if the Texans can't trade out of two and they're not going to take a quarterback, then uh, they're probably going to take either Will Anderson or Tyree Wilson. I don't think we have a great feel for which one of those guys is going to be. Um, and then what what are the next quarterback dominoes? Does someone trade up to three for Stroud? Uh, if I, if what, I'm the Cardinals, I'm I'm wheeling. Oh, yeah. if, if the Texans pick a, a position, you know, other than quarterback. If I'm the Cardinals, I'm wheeling and dealing. I don't. I don't even. I want whatever I can get for number three. Yeah. Put me wherever you want me in the first round, and and, and just give me give me stuff. Uh, I, I mean, I'm telling the Colts, hey, listen, I've got the Raiders on one line, the Titans on the other. Uh, we're ready to make a deal. You, you you're ready to move up one spot and give us a couple day two picks. You know, uh, the the Colts are going to be in a really interesting position if if, if it turns out that Stroud is uh, maybe near the top of their board. Um, it, it's. It's a really interesting dynamic with these quarterbacks. And we, we've talked about, you know, back to the fall, we, we've been talking about Anthony Richardson and Shroud and Will Levis and Bryce Young. So I feel like we've talked the quarterbacks to death, but now f- figuring out their exact fits, it, it, it's going to be a lot of fun to see how it plays out. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of drama, I think, in the coming mm-hmm. weeks. Because, it, I mean, again, the Aaron Rodgers okay. thing isn't done. Yeah, the Aaron yeah. Rodgers thing isn't done yet. Uh, Lamar Jackson still remains... an issue for the Ravens and whoever else. This is, this is a very fluid situation. So I I am fascinated by what happens here in the next few, few, I guess, eight days going into the draft, but let's talk this seven round mock because you, you go as deep as humanly possible. Uh, Every single pick down to Mr. Irrelevant. Mm -hmm. You seem to think Mr. Irrelevant your Mr. Irrelevant has a chance to be somewhat relevant too, just like last year's. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, Gravarius Owens from uh, Houston yeah. uh, stays in Houston, becomes a Texan. Uh, you know yeah. why not? He's he's a one of those bigger safeties that can play a nickel hybrid role. But you know, it, with an exercise like this, um, you know, it's obviously it's all about the content, right? But yeah. at the same time, this is helpful for me because it really mm-hmm. it, it forces me to buckle down on all right. These are the needs. This is the what team you know each specific team usually does in the first round, or if they have certain thresholds that they look for. Certain teams will not draft a receiver under 200 pounds, whatever it may be. It really makes you focus on those to make it all fit. And I didn't include any trades. Uh, it's hard enough to do you know just 259 picks that make sense, or you know I, I can at least explain every pick. You know yeah. every single pick I can at least explain. Paying attention to 30 visits, paying attention to what, uh, you know, there, there are a lot of times where, you know, I'm talking with a scout uh, and, you know, he's just leaving the Northwestern Pro Day and, you know, we're just talking about a player and be like, oh yeah, by the way, 49ers took him out to dinner uh, the night before, just heads up. Mm-hmm. And it's okay, file that away. And maybe that'll pop up here in a, in a seven round mock. And, you know, it's, there's so many connections you can make that you start to overthink it. And, you know, it's all guesswork at this point, but this seven round mock is more educated guesswork than just strictly guesswork. Well, and I like that you can see the the personality of teams where, and and where a guy might fit. Like you have Alex Forsyth, the center from Oregon going Mm -hmm. to Patriots. That feels like a great fit right there. He feels like a Patriot. (laughs) Well, and who's the uh, New England's offensive line coach? Adrian Clem, who just exactly. came from Oregon. Yeah, and so he he's got some inside information on uh, on a guy like Forsythe. So yeah, trying to find those connections uh, where you know it's uh, you can draw connect make the connect the dots and you know like the thirty visits. Those are really interesting because you obviously uh, some guys go to the thirty visits and uh, just are. I, I won't say the team, but. One team, this is a couple years ago, three, four years ago, one team brought in Chauncey Gardner-Johnson for a 30 visit. And uh, they, after he left, they crossed him off the draft board. They're not interested. Um, and so sometimes that's what the 30 visits are for, is guys that they like but they're not sure of and just not sure if it's going to mesh with the culture and exactly what you want to do. And sometimes uh, guys end up not being a fit, and you can go ahead and cross them off the board based off the 30 visits. So just because a team and a player are getting together doesn't necessarily mean that uh, they're going to end up uh, targeting that type of player uh, at some point in the draft. Yeah, that's the part I think people forget is a lot of times they're they are eliminating or it's yeah. one of those that you've had situations where their job interviews and this this is we see this in sports all the time with head coaches, but we've all seen it in our own lives too, where the interview is we're trying to see if you don't fit. And right. we we you know, everything else works, but you may come in here and we completely cross you off the list. That that is another reason why you would bring somebody in and get that extra information. It's important to remember too, uh, that draft boards for teams are 150 names. Uh, You know, the, 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 the bigger draft boards around the league are maybe 180 names. Then you got like a team like the Patriots that are 115, 120, you know, it it lowered numbers. So it really just, uh, you know, every, like, obviously like my draft guide, I'm, if I don't like a player, which are certainly players that I'm just not fans of, I'm not, I can't just not include him. You know, he's still going to be right. in the draft guide, still going to put a general grade on him. Um, you know, there are some players that I I would not draft until, you know, the the second round, but or normal in normal years. But in mm-hmm. this draft, this specific draft, it's one thing to put a second round grade on a player. And it's another to when you start to stack them and say, oh, I wouldn't draft them until pick 35, 40. But, you know, it, when you start to stack them, you realize there's not, 35, 40 players in front yeah. of him. So he ends up being the pick number 23 or whatever. So every draft has its own identity, its own type of, uh, you know, you can't go in with a, uh, you know, those of us on the outside can't go in with a strict sense of, okay, this is what we want for our schemes. So we want for our culture. It's very, very generalized where teams, they're obviously focused a lot more uh, specialized with what they want, what fits them uh, specifically. And, you know, it, it does, that does make things a little interesting. So you proposed a little exercise that I, I really like. We're going to pick the guys in the seven round mock and the fits that, that we really like. A, a day one, a day two, and a day three. And I've, I've got a couple day two and day three guys just because it's a, 
it's a bigger pool. But Dane, I'm curious, what what do you really like? Where where you put somebody in there and you're like, wow, I this this is even better than I thought as a fit. Yeah, I think there's a couple of those guys. Um, you know, even on day two, um, you know, you look at. Um, I really like Jameer Gibbs of the Cardinals. Um, you think about that offense and, you know, James Connors, the bell cow, but you add uh, a Jameer Gibbs into that mix and what that could, you know, if it's uh, Kyler, a quarterback, or until he gets, until he's healthy, th- that offense is going to need something, anything. Yeah. And Jameer Gibbs can be maybe that spark plug that they could use. Um, so I, I like that fit quite a, uh, quite a bit. Uh, Luke Musgrave to the Packers. Uh, you know, maybe they Packers could go tight end in the first round. They could go yeah. Michael Mayer. They could go Dalton Kincaid. Or you wait till the second, you pick up a Luke Musgrave. Love that fit right there. Um, both the Lions picks. I mean, I, I loved what the Lions did in my mock. Really, from you know rounds one through seven, the Lions currently have two second round picks. I am taking Darnell Washington, the tight end from Georgia, yeah. and then Jack Campbell, the linebacker from Iowa. Ooh. I mean, I you think about their identity and Jack they, Campbell and Rodrigo together. That'd be fun. What man. you think about grit and I don't I, would they value an out the a stand up um, off ball linebacker in the second round? I don't you know maybe maybe not, but at the value I think is tremendous at that point. Plus with uh, you think about the way they want to run the ball, you add a, a Darnell Washington who is you know has that uh, pass catching potential, but he's gonna be a smash map blocker for you from day one. Help the run game. So really like what the Lions did uh, as well. So yeah, I think there are a couple fits in that that second round that make a ton of sense. So one in the first round that I really like is Brian Brissy from from Clemson, the defensive tackle yeah. to the Jaguars at number twenty four. The the Jaguars they they got Trevon Walker with the number one overall pick last year. Josh Allen's still there. They just need somebody else who's dynamic on that defensive line, and all of a sudden everything everything else gets easier on defense and yeah. offensively they're there they're they're where they need to be this is a team that, that got into the second round of the playoffs last year that lost to the chiefs and was actually in the game with the chiefs so you add that piece and they become a super bowl contender like that that's really they, they, they do need some help in a couple of other places but think about how much closer they are then going into the uh, the draft a couple of years ago, and they picked up Trevor Lawrence and, and Travis Etienne in the first round. Oh yeah, no doubt. And obviously, they're they're accustomed to drafting Clemson players. Uh, it, it, do it again here. I mean, Brzee, I think, is an interesting uh, sample because he what we saw from him as a freshman was off the charts. I mean, he lived up to being the the five star, the number one recruit in the country. Then the last two years, uh, injuries and, and personal uh, tragedy going on in his life. I don't think we really have seen the the real Brian Brzee uh, for uh, you know long stretches at all. So I think he's. I mean, you're getting tremendous value. I think at 24 to be able to get him, add him to your mix. He could play three technique. He could play a four eye. He could play head up over the tackle. Um, you could be really creative with how you use him, and he can get you disruption. So. Um, I, I like that the Jaguars have shown interest in him. So I think it's a fit that potentially makes sense. Yeah, this is this is going to be a, a good one if that comes to pass, because it is it's something they really need and they don't need that much. Well, so, it was interesting doing doing this mock. I was surprised how many teams really need defensive tackle help. Like there's just a lot of teams that need big men, you know, yeah. and this draft is it's not a great defensive tackle class. But it's solid, and that's why you know Brzee, Mozzie Smith, like mm-hmm. these guys are going to go first round. Because I mean, Mozzie Smith, you look at the the look, just look at the final five picks of the first round: Buffalo, Cincinnati, the Saints, the Eagles, the Chiefs. All five of those could be uh, possible landing spots for Mozzie Smith, a guy that is very unsexy. Uh, but you plug him in there. And the, my comp for him was Brandon Mebane. You think about yeah. all the years in Seattle. We talked about. Uh, you know, the Legion of Boom and the secondary and the, the guys they had at linebacker. Meanwhile, Brandon Meebane up front, what he meant to that defensive line, which allowed everything else to click, that's what Mozzie Smith can be for a lot of these teams. Uh, you know, not not a guy that's going to sell a ton of jerseys and hear, hear his name called a ton on the telecast. But, uh, you know, what, what, he, the, what he does up front and helps everybody else behind him, 
that that's a big deal. And I think that's a lot of teams will have a first round value on that type of guy. Well, and another guy in, in that mold that you have going late in the first round, Tommy out of a warrior out of, out of Northwestern, you have him going right. to the Bengals and gap shooting three technique. I mean, yep. they need that. this guy's, this guy's quick, quick, quick. And well, he's fast and quick, which mm -hmm. they're two different things. And they're both important for a defensive tackle. And he just fits that. And he fits what they want. So it does. Yeah. I, and he's I, long. Is it he yeah. he's for a shorter guy, a guy that's not your typical size, he's a really long player. So that and we saw that at the senior bowl with his ability to win those one-on-ones. Yeah, totally blew up the combine, had a good pro day. So yeah, I, I think he's played his way into that late first round mix. And a team like the Bengals that want to get they want to get better on the interior of that defensive line. Yeah. He checks a lot of those boxes. Steve Avila going to the Seahawks. Uh, Avila is a guard yes. from TCU. Very important piece of that team that, that played for the national title last year. Without him, they're not in the national title game. They're not doing what they're doing. He was the leader of that offensive line. He was just, I mean, solid, reliable, every, everything you want. Yeah. And he just doesn't play a glamour position or a position that is particularly valued in the draft. He is as good at guard as some of these guys are at their positions that are going to get drafted in the first round. It's just he's a guard. And I think he fits perfectly what Seattle wants on the interior. They they yeah. like those wide-bodied guys. They give you a little bit of versatility. Uh, Avila actually has more career starts at center than he does at guard mm -hmm. in college. Yeah. So he he's gives, great. Right. And he, he starts at four different positions. So it gives you a little bit of that position flex. Um, his countering footwork's a little messy, but he gets into position. He's strong. Um, there's, there's a lot. And, and he's really smart, too. I mean, you could yeah. tell by the way he plays. Understands angles, understands where he needs to be, and he executes. So, I I mean, honestly, maybe the most unrealistic part of it is, it, does he last at 52? Uh, right. There's a good chance he could go, you know, uh, 10, 15 picks earlier because of uh, the value that he brings. And, and in that same vein... Uh, Cody Mock going a couple picks mm -hmm. earlier, 41 of the Titans. Titans need to get better on the offensive line in a lot of different uh, spots. Uh, Cody Mock, uh, his ability to plug in at different spots, that could be a potential fit. Uh, I know I heard from Titans fans that were not fans of uh, uh, Dylan Radins, uh, the former North Dakota State uh, tackle who hasn't been great. Uh, not the same the thing, though. But different players. And, you know, sometimes it's easy to be down on a player from the same school, uh, same position when he doesn't pan out. But these are different players and, you know, can't can't hold the, the sins of one guy against well, another. Ask the Titans fans, because I realized that uh, that Isaiah Wilson from Georgia didn't work out for you. But would would you take Andrew Thomas as one of your tackles? I think you would. He played at Georgia. Not they the might, same thing. Might so. draft, uh Broderick Jones at 11. Exactly. Year, exactly. You know? So, yeah. Uh, but we'll hear it. We'll still hear it, though. I'm sure oh, from yeah. uh, the the cynics. Uh, well, just I have because a, the helmet. I have a feature on Cody Mock that, that I'm working on nice. the athletic, and I was actually this morning going through some old stuff on him when he committed to walk on at North Dakota State, and there are photos of him playing nine man tight end at six five two twenty five, and he <laughs> looks because it's funny. We, we've all seen the meme of him where he mm -hmm. looks you know scrawny and goofy, but it, but a full body shot of him in high school, he looks like a really great athlete, which mm -hmm. is what he is. Yeah. I mean, he played every sport. He was a tight end, a linebacker, and a kicker for, for his nine-man high school football team. Like he, he is, He's a very good athlete who happened to get up over 300 pounds. And so that's, that's what makes it interesting because I thought at the Senior Bowl – it was very clear he was he was obviously most comfortable playing tackle because that's where he's played, but was very willing to play guard. Had he he mentioned that he snapped every day at practice at, at North Dakota State, even though he never snapped with the team, but he would snap before or after practice every day. Because his thing was initially, if a couple guys go down, I want to be able to go in and, and play center for us. And then it got as he got better and better okay, maybe somebody in the NFL is going to want me to try to snap too. So he was so, doing that at the senior bowl too. And that's, I mean, that's the kind of the per, kind of person you're looking for on your offensive line. Uh, another guy who will do just about anything because he was the emergency Wildcat quarterback for his team in his bowl game, Sam Laporta from Iowa. You've got him going to the Raiders. I think number 70 is, is the pick. 
Uh, I love this guy. He, you know how I feel, Dane, about guys who are kind of the only person who can do much of anything in their offense, and mm-hmm. yet they still put up numbers. That was right. Laporta. There, there was everybody knew he was their only legitimate receiving threat this year, and he still put up numbers. He did, and maybe not on the level of Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson. But in this terms is of, this is one of the worst college offenses you've ever seen. Oh, let's not is. forget that. Uh, no doubt, and even you know the catches that he was forced to make. I mean, there were defenders draped all over him because they know, hey, let's just let's make sure we stop, uh, you know, number eighty-four, and then everything else. We'll, we'll, if they beat us with the receivers, okay, so be it. You know, we, we're not worried about that. Let's cover eighty-four and you know see what happens. Uh, he his toughness. He like some guys have to learn to be pros. He's already a pro. He, he's yeah. ready. It's from day one. He's going to step in, be a program guy. Um, you know, the grit, the toughness, the competitiveness, you know, whatever cliche you want to come up with, he's already there. He, he has that in him. Um, and, you know, he's a quality target. He's just maybe not in, he's not elite in any one trait, size, athleticism, power, you know, he's, he's good enough across the board. And so the value of where he should be drafted will be a little bit different from team to team. He could end up going a second round. Uh, but if he ends up going uh, early third round, which I think is you know the what I heard the most from teams early third, the Raiders man that that is a really good fit for him and exactly what they need at this point in time with uh, you know no more Foster Moreau on the on that roster no more, uh, no more Darren, Darren Waller, Waller. Yeah. Uh, so you know it they they brought in Austin Hooper I believe but yep. you know. I, Adding another guy like this who can really be the future of that that position for whoever's a quarterback uh, makes a lot of sense. Another guy, I I just loved watching this guy play in college. I don't think it matters which team you put him with because I think he's he's going to produce for somebody. Uh, maybe not immediately as a starter, but he, he will be a special teams guy on every special team. He will have a role, and he will eventually be a starter. Jamie Robinson from Florida State. Yeah. Nickel guy. Just kind of jack of all trades you can you can play him you can play him as a hybrid safety linebacker even though he's too small he'll do it and he'll Mm -hmm. do exactly what you needed him to do and he'll he'll understand exactly what he's supposed to be doing in the defense and what everybody else is supposed to be doing around him like that's the thing he's just one of those guys that everybody sort of looked to on that defensive florida state hey what are we doing here what you know what, what do we need to do how do we do this and when they needed somebody to kind of force action Adam Fuller, the the defensive coordinator, that's who he looked to. Right. And this might be the third, fourth round version of of Brian Branch. You know, like you look at uh, Jamie Robinson, not very Another one of my favorite players, by the way. Oh, yeah. He he has like a universal approval rating. I I mean, the the five. He's the Scott Van Pelt of draft prospects. There you go. I mean, the, the 458 worries you, the 190 worries you, but the tape, you trust the tape. And it's the same thing with Robinson. He's 191, he was 191 pounds at the combine. He ran a 459 at the combine. So, like, it's not what you want, ideally, uh, no matter what position you're playing him at. But again, you watch the tape and you just can't help but be encouraged by the quick reaction. That's what, above all, from a, uh, especially from a, a nickel or a safety, I want a quick, quick reaction player. So, he reads it, and he it doesn't take uh, very long a process. He is, uh, you know, click and close, go get the football. That's what Jamie Robinson is. He does not waste time trying to think about what his next move is going to be. It's all instinct with him. And you see the the quickness that he plays with. You see the the awareness. Uh, he's the size might knock him into day three, uh, mm-hmm. like it happened in my mock. But uh, yeah, he he's a guy that if he ended up going in the third round, I don't think anybody would blink an eye. So another guy, day three, you have uh, the Seahawks cornering the market on K-State dudes that <laughs> defense is focused on and still couldn't stop taking there you Deuce go. Vaughn to, to, to Tyler Lockett already on the team. But taking Deuce Vaughn, who I love, I, I realize the size is all wrong. But the other thing about Deuce Vaughn to consider is, is football IQ. His dad's a scout. Right. You know, he grew up around the game. He is longtime college uh, uh, assistant coach. So, yeah, yeah. He, grew, he grew up in a, a coaching atmosphere in those meeting rooms and things like that. So, yeah, no, that's a great point. So I, I just and I love Deuce Vaughn's versatility. He's going to he can return mm-hmm. kicks for you. He can, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's just he's just a fun player to watch. And 
I realize his measurables aren't what you're looking for, but it doesn't seem to matter when he gets the ball in his hands. But for the Seahawks, uh, you know, Kenneth Walker's your starter. You know, he's your bell exactly. cow. So you add a gadget type guy like this, a space player. That that's what uh, Deuce Vaughn is. He's a space player. Get him the ball in space where he can go create. Um, and then just you know, I I, I really want to see the that first Twitter picture we get uh, of DK Metcalf and, <laughs> and Deuce Vaughn <laughs> next to each other in the huddle. Just uh, the disparity between the two guys. Um, I mean, hey, hey, line them up. Stack it's them. Gonna, li- it's going to look like a Pop Warner player wandered into an NFL game. It will. It's like somebody brought their little brother to play. Uh, <laughs> but it, it's, stack them. Let, seriously, put put Deuce off the line of scrimmage behind uh, you DK. You can hide him behind DK. Exactly. You can never and see him. Deuce Vaughn is so good at that. When you watch his – and this is where you, know, you, you watch the end zone. Whenever you scout running backs, you watch the end zone view of the tape. And he is so good at hiding behind – the, the big blockers in front of him. He has such a great feel for it. I mean, th- he's always been s- shorter his, and smaller, patience, so he's used to it. His patience is incredible. That's, yeah. the, that's the most fun thing to watch on that end zone view is you're right. He slips in behind a blocker and he's, he's willing to wait for that block to develop, even though yeah. a defender might be getting pretty close to him. He, he has a sense of when the hole opens and he can go. No doubt. And that's, that that's part of his you know superpowers is that he is, he he's in a rush, but he doesn't hurry. You know, he 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 was very uh, instinctive with. Okay, I, I know the the hole's about to open here. He anticipates it and he hits it with timing. So um, even though he, the, the the lack of run power is a you know it's it's really going to hurt him when he can't just blow through some of those smaller holes in the NFL. But that's why he's a space player. Um, and I, I think in Seattle with the way their running back depth chart is set up, he'd be a nice addition to drop in. That's exactly right. Another another guy who's kind of a borderline day two, day three guy. And you've mentioned that you think teams like Aiden O'Connell, probably yeah. the best of the quarterbacks below the Hendon Hooker tier. The guy I, I love and I think will become a beloved backup who gets into a game and just torches somebody is Jake Hayner. You got him going oh, to the yeah. Browns at, at, at number 111. Yeah. I mean, he, he is – Jake Hayner – after the the five guys, you know, with uh, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Richardson, Levis, and then Hooker, uh, Hayner is my sixth guy, and he's the one that I would seriously consider, even in the third round, start, start you know, because I want him in my quarterback room. Um, and, you know, I, I think people need to understand where, if we're going to just list all the, the positions, you know, the, from the most important to least important, I think most would put quarterback two, you know, or any backup position they put lower on the list. Quarterback two is higher than some of the starting positions. So I, I and I think when you look at what Jake Hayner can be to the Browns, what uh, I, I heard from Chiefs fans who did not appreciate me giving them uh, Jaron Hall from BYU in the fourth round. Uh, but when you, you could fact- back up for Mahomes. That, but you need that, especially, yeah. you know, guys, guys get banged up, guys get hurt. You have to be able to trust the guy coming in that it, they don't have to be world beaters. They don't have to, uh, you know, a, a Brock Purdy is not exactly. Chad uh, Henney had to play in the playoffs. For exactly. Goodness sakes. Yeah. Exactly. And so the, Chad Henney's retired, um, you know, no f- offense to Shane Bouchelle. And I, I can't remember who else is the right now, the Chiefs backups. But uh, Jaron Hall, I, I know the Chiefs like him. Um, you know, the BYU connection is nice between him and Andy Reid. Um, I, and I think the, the play style with Mahomes and Jaron Hall makes some sense. And he's the, he's the type of presence you want in your quarterback room. So I had the Hayner going to the Browns, which Browns fans didn't like that at all either. But you know what? Deshaun Watson goes down. You need somebody. You know, uh, Jacoby Brissett's not in town anymore. And, you know, no offense to Josh Dobbs, Kellen Mond. Jake Hayner's an upgrade. And I think he gives you legitimate uh depth at quarterback where you feel like you can still win the game if Deshaun Watson's not out there. Same thing with Aiden O'Connell going to the Raiders um, and then Jaron Hall to the Chiefs there in the fourth round. So that, that fourth round is kind of the sweet spot for teams looking to upgrade their backup quarterback position. And there, there's other teams that I know are, are looking at the, the Cowboys. The Cowboys are going to draft a quarterback this year and I don't think they do it in the third, but as early as the fourth round, don't be surprised. I know they, they like Aiden O'Connell quite a bit. It's just a matter of can they will he last to them in the fourth round, which I don't think he will. Yeah, it's there's some good options out there, and because the the first round prospects 
below Bryce Young and, and CJ Stroud. Well, I don't even CJ Stroud. You might throw into the boomer bust list. Bryce Young's the only one that doesn't feel boomer bust, but again, he's got the the measurables anomaly that that makes him unusual. So that's why that that second tier of quarterbacks, there may be an NFL starter in that bunch. Sure, there really yeah. might it, a consistent NFL starter. Like you know, it's going to the the Dak Prescott draft. I, I said he might be the best quarterback in that class. He he had a horrific pre-draft few months. It looked bad for him, and that's how the Cowboys wound up getting when they did. So there are there are some guys here who they don't obviously flash first round talent, but you put them in the right system, you put them with the right coach, they might be starters. Dane, let's uh, let's do some synergy with our our fellow folks on the uh, the Athletic Football Show feed. Robert's been going position by position through the draft. They have not hit corners yet, so we will be hitting corners for them today. And the quarterback draft, this is it's interesting to me because there's two guys who I feel are, are kind of right up at the top, maybe three. But the two that we hear most often that as potential top 10 picks are Christian Gonzalez from Oregon and Devin Weatherspoon from Illinois. And, and I'm curious, can you explain to the listeners – What's different about these guys? You know, who, why, why would one fit better with one team and, and the other fit better with another? Well, I, I think you're dealing with two players that uh, are obviously very talented in their own ways. And with Gonzalez, he gives you more of the, the, the toolsy. If you want to bet on the traits, um, this is the guy I'm going with. Six, one and a half, 200 pounds, uh, ran in the four threes. Uh, he's, you know, got the bloodlines. His dad was a you know, six, seven or six, nine, former semi-pro basketball player. Both his sisters are very accomplished track athletes. Uh, you know, it's, it's no wonder you know, the bloodlines and all that, but this guy, you know, for a lot of teams, they start with size. Can you run? And, you know, can you match up man to man? And that's what, uh, Christian Gonzalez does. You know, he has, he's tall, he's long, he can run. He accelerates well. I thought he did a much better job this year finding the football. And this goes back to watching him in Colorado, uh, where you know he was making these types of plays, and then he transfers to Oregon, does the same type of thing. So um, can he play zone? Yes, but I think this is a true man-to-man type of corner, uh, especially for a team that values uh, you know the the size speed aspect of the position, which a lot of teams do. It's a stopwatch position. Devin Witherspoon, on the other hand, not quite as big. You worry about the 181, uh, the the weight, not ideal uh, for that position. Uh, not, but he did run well, which was a, yeah. a nice. You know that there were some concerns. Would he be a four four eight four five one type of guy? He ran a four four three at the pro day, which was awesome to see. The aggressive nature that he plays with is just. I I don't know how you don't appreciate Witherspoon as a player. The, the tenacity that he plays with. Um, he is not afraid to come up and hit you. He he's very aggressive when the ball's in the air, and sometimes you know to, to his detriment, he he will get some penalties, get some flags. Um, so he needs to do a better job of walking that fine line. But uh, you know this guy, I think he has scheme versatility. Maybe you know, a little bit more so than Gonzalez, uh, where you doesn't matter what you're running. I feel like he's going to be able to plug him in. The instincts are still going to be there. Still going to play with the same uh, you know determination and toughness. So, you know, I think Devin Witherspoon's got a little more scheme versatility to him, where Christian Gonzalez is a little more of the toolsy, uh, you know, high-end, high-potential type of corner that a lot of teams go for. So, the other corner that seems to be a fairly consensus first-round pick is Joey Porter Jr. out of, mm-hmm. of Penn State. Uh, dad, much bigger NFL mm-hmm. defender for the Steelers. But what does Joey Porter Jr. bring that, that maybe is a little bit different from these, these other two that we're looking at in the first round? Uh, I mean, he, he will park his nose right up against you and press and jam you and look to make things uncomfortable from the start. He has 34-inch arms. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that, that, Peter Skronsky is jealous uh, of that type of arm length because that's uh, uh, he, he will maul uh, receivers off the line of scrimmage. Uh, and, and he he can run pretty well. He ran a four four six forty, which is you know certainly good enough. Um, but there's a reason he didn't do the three cone. There's a reason he didn't do the short shuttle uh, at the combine or his pro day. 
that's not his strength as a player is uh, the change of direction, the, the quick twitch, uh, you know, turn and run. That's not really what he does best. He wants to use his physicality, you know, use the sideline to his advantage. He's going to escort you out of bounds. Uh, you know, it, he, he's not afraid to use that physical part of the game. He, pl- but, he plays like dad. He's yeah, just oh, smaller. Sure. Yeah. Right. And, and so, you know, he's that dis- disruptive nature to his game is uh, it really sets the tone for how he plays. And he is very excited to get involved uh, at the catch point. So the things to like, but he won't be a fit for every team. I think he's a guy that uh, for, you know, certain teams that run a ton of, and, and we have to point out that, you know, teams run a variation of man and zone. Some teams will run more man than zone and vice versa. But for the most part, teams run both man and zone. Joey Porter Jr. is a classic bump and run corner. That that's what he is, and he can play off coverage. Um, but you know, he you want him using that length, using that physicality uh, up close with receivers as an outside uh, outside player. You don't want him inside. You want him outside. So you know, he just won't be for everybody. But you can understand certain fits there in the first round. So another guy that he's been mentioned in the first round, but maybe not because of one measurable red flag that that is very I mean we don't see somebody this light very often Mississippi State's Emmanuel yeah. Forbes he's six feet tall he's 166 pounds now he's a pick six machine yeah in college like he's he's great well, at, at finding the ball and, and when he catches it he's gone even uh I mean go back to high school the last six seasons he has had 30 interceptions. So the the final three seasons in high school and then the first three seasons at Mississippi State, you take all of those together and it's 30 interceptions, 16 in high school, 14 in college. Uh, and of those 14, he housed six of them at uh, Mississippi State, which a, a new new record there. Uh, this is a guy that, yeah, when you say he's 166 pounds, that's like, ooh, that's a little bit of a worry. What is he, 5'9", 5'10"? No, six he's almost, tall. almost six one. Yeah, he's six yeah. foot three quarters. Uh, which is just, it, it, it's an outlier, complete outlier. We don't, we don't see guys that light, that skinny, that rail thin uh, at the position. But you know what? He doesn't really play like it. He he is not afraid to get physical. He'll, he, uh, he, he won't run and hide in the run game. He will c- come up and try to hit you. Um, I He's a little bit of a freelancer, and that's why I was a little... Uh, I like my first time I watched this tape in the fall. I did, I liked it, didn't love it because he tends to freelance a little bit, which you know it helps him get some of those picks. But the more you watch him, the more you realize he's doing it responsibly. Yeah. Um, you know, do you wish he was maybe a little bit more tight with uh, some of the footwork and movements, and it maybe didn't take as many chances uh, at times? Yes, but I think he does it responsibly enough that you obviously you live with the good. And you're okay with the bad because you understand his thought process. You understand what he's trying to do on certain routes and the way that his eyes are, if he's playing off coverage, he's working through what the route is doing, what the quarterback is doing. Um, and and so it just really comes down to that size that you worry about. And that might knock him into the second round. But if he goes first round, it won't be a mystery why. This guy gets his hands on the football and he can be really disruptive. Well, if you've watched Devontae Smith play, Mm-hmm. Get an idea. I mean, different positions, obviously. But if you want to get an idea of his frame, Devontae Smith's a good a good comp. He's six feet tall. The Eagles list him at one seventy. Smith got up to one seventy five for the combine. And here's the thing about light guys at the combine. That's a that's them getting as heavy as they can get. So Emmanuel Forbes most got times, to one sixty six. Yeah. yeah, most times. But Emmanuel Forbes got to one sixty six for the combine. It means yeah, he's walking and, around less than that. Well, and, and he got up to 170 at his pro day, which is good yeah. to see, but he didn't run. You know, so he, he he was at a lower weight when he was running the 40, and then he added a few pounds uh, for the pro day, but he didn't run the 40. Uh, but in, coming out of high school, he was 165 pounds. So, yeah. I mean, basically, he didn't put on any weight in, uh, in, in college. And so, you know, I, you need to talk with the strength and conditioning staff there and make sure that, you know, it's not a – a, a, a situation where he's, you know, skipping workouts and things like that. It's just a, it's more of Kenny. And, and this is, I've, I've been told by scouts, it's more just, he has trouble keeping weight on. It's more so that than he's not trying to do it. Yeah. And, and it's interesting. So Devonte Smith, when Alabama measured future prospects at, at their, at their pro day a mm-hmm. couple of years ago, 
uh, he was 166 <laughs> and six yeah. feet tall. So hey, that, that's, it, that's the frame. If, if you're comfortable with Devontae Smith at receiver, you're probably comfortable with Emmanuel Forbes at corner. Yeah. And so that, but, but he's a very interesting prospect because of that. Cause we just, we don't see that that often. Uh, I do want to go a little bit deeper in the draft. I mean, the, the two guys from South Carolina, maybe, but I, before we hit on them, one more guy who, who just really interests me because there's a number that, that just pops off the screen. Like when you, if you're reading the beast and if you're not reading the beast, what are you even doing? But you get to DJ Turner from Michigan and you're like 40 yard dash time, 4.26. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, and maybe even more impressive is the 10-yard split. It's a 1-4-2, which is, un- I mean, that's just, uh, talk about suddenness. Talk about that that quick twitch first movement. 1-4-2 is unreal. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, he, he you can see why he ran 140 and he was like, all right, I'm done. I'm good. Yeah. Uh, didn't run again. I would never run a 40 again <laughs> in my life. No. Uh, and, and his name is Juan Drago. I mean, that's kind of cool, you know, in <laughs> He goes by DJ, uh, like his dad, but uh, this is a, you know, a little undersized, 5'11", 180 pounds. Um, I, talking to scouts, they, they think he's going to go somewhere top 50. When you talk about a stopwatch position like corner, you have this type of speed. Uh, he's a really aggressive player with the way he will ball search and go after the football, go after the catch point. Um, his, his reaction quickness, you know, we talked about it with safeties. Corners, obviously, the ability to react real time with routes—it's um, a mental thing, but also uh, a quickness thing. And he certainly has that speed and quickness. Um, not the biggest guy, but the toughness is there. So somewhere top fifty, I think you can bet DJ Turner is going to come off the board. So the, the South Carolina guys—Cam Smith was the one getting all the pub going into the season. Uh-huh. It feels like Darius Rush through the pre-draft process has helped himself probably probably more than his teammate did yeah i and i think it started at the senior bowl really whereas like okay we need to pay more attention there is rush i mean he was a big fish in a small pond in high school he, he was starting on varsity as a freshman playing really as a wildcat quarterback let his team do uh the, their first uh ever state championship game as a sophomore um and so this guy was like you know big man on campus he goes to south carolina uh was he was mostly an offensive player in in high school changes and moves to corner full time uh when he gets to south carolina uh maybe they even tried him at wide receiver a little bit uh so you know he's still learning things at wide receiver at corner but he's 6'2 198 pounds uh speed not a question ran a 436 at that size uh which is outstanding had the fastest uh gps data at the senior bowl this year uh so he has the length he has the speed and i think he has a short area quickness as well so you know with cam smith i understand why a lot of uh people like cam smith uh, and this is and maybe this is just it is a preference thing I, yeah. I i like cam smith the the penalties really bug me with him uh, he had he had double digit, d- double digit penalties this year. Really handsy, really hands on. Just doesn't have a great feel for timing when he's going to attack the catch point and not going through receivers. Um, you know, it's just it, it's something that he needs to get better at. You, you don't want to lose that uh, aggressiveness, but at the same time, you have to be just more responsible with how you're going to uh, attack the catch point. And that that's what really bothered me with uh, with Cam Smith. But he's a really athletic player. Can play zone. Can play inside. Can play outside. Um, you know, just needs to become a more disciplined player. And if he does that, uh, that he, he could be a longtime starter in this league. But when it comes to corner, it's it's one of those positions where you cannot afford to be undisciplined because if you do, it could mean six for the other team. So you have to be buttoned up. You can't, you know, those mistakes can end up being glaring mistakes that, uh, you know, forget getting getting chewed out in the meeting room the next week. Uh, you're gonna get, you're gonna uh, help your team lose football games if you make too yeah. many undisciplined mistakes. So with Cam Smith, I like him. Uh, you know, I somewhere that late two, early third round range. I I certainly like him there. But uh, until he becomes more disciplined, I'm still gonna be concerned with him. It feels like there's quite a bit to be had on day two at corner. But the, the yeah. two guys we just talked about. Clark Phillips from Utah, uh, Juju yeah. Brents from K-State, uh, Corey Trice from Purdue, mm-hmm. Caillou Blue Kelly from Stanford. Maybe, maybe, maybe he goes to day three. Tyreek Stevenson, do- Miami. Yep. Yeah, it does feel like there's there's quite a bit. If you need a corner, you're probably going to be able to find what you need. And, and yeah, do you want an outside guy with size? Do you want a nickel? I mean, Clark Phillips is a, is a perfect example of a 
like not really impressive from a size speed standpoint. Um, but you plug him in in the nickel, and I think he's going to be an impact type of player. I mean, 5'9", 184 pounds, ran a 4.51 40-yard dash, and d- did not rerun at his pro day. So 4.51, he was comfortable with that, which tells yeah. you all you need to know. And you see that at times. I mean, I had it in my uh, in my notes that, you know, not did not have elite speed on tape. But really quick, really smart, really aggressive. The ball skills are outstanding. Had six picks this year. Um, almost as many passes defended as he did, uh, games played. So I, you know, and he's a really, uh, he's, he's physical. He's tough. 18 reps on the bench press tells you how much he works at it and in, in, uh, off the field. Uh, but the confidence really shines with him as well. So Clark Phillips, I think is one of those nickel defenders that, uh, teams are going to look at somewhere second, third round, and he's going to immediately, uh, compete for starting reps, uh, with what he can do for, as an inside player. So, of the guys you you've got projected for day three, who do you think brings the most value? Who has who has that ceiling where you grab him, you might just luck into a starter for for five or six years. Two guys really stand out for me: um, uh, Trey Tomlinson, uh, who if he were two inches bigger, taller, He's so small, <laughs> we, we'd be talking about him as a you know a top sixty, top seventy five guy. Uh, but he's five seven and a half, hundred seventy eight pounds, and I just got done you know dinging Cam Smith for all the the penalties. That was uh, an issue with him as well this year, and that's why you know the fourth round is as high as I could go. Um, but a physical nickel exceptional speed mm-hmm. uh he's got explosiveness um he's just comes in a smaller package not, not afraid of anybody right? no and he, <laughs> he's he, fun to watch it helps that he's been training with his uh, uncle maybe you've heard of him Ladanian. <laughs> uh he, he's been training with him since he was little so this has been a, a a goal of his like football matters to this player and if anybody's able to overcome that lack of size I think it'll be uh, Trey Tomlinson, who, uh, by the way, no longer going by uh, Travius Hodges Tomlinson. It's Trey Tomlinson. That, that's what he wants to be known as now. Which, Alliteration uh, is better for marketing purposes. There you go. I, I like it. A little, little shorter. You got the, the TT. That uh, it makes sense. Uh, the other corner I wanted to mention, Riley Moss from Iowa. Um, six, Just a hair under 6'1", 195 pounds. Uh, really the, the hurdles champion in high school. And you saw that with his 40 yard dash, the hurdles are really interesting. Uh, RG three baby. Yeah, exactly. Cause it, not only the speed, but you know, you have to have, uh, some, some jumps in there as well. You have explosiveness, to balance, right. The, the timing, everything, it's all part of that. And he, he did that at a high level in high school. And I think that has helped translate to the football field where, uh, you know, he, I think he's best in zone. That's where I like him the most because he does a really nice job uh, reading through receivers and understanding what route concepts are, uh, the route combinations and the concepts that they're trying to pull off. Uh, but he can play man. He can play off. He can do all these things. Uh, he's a he's a really good player. And I had, in my mock, I had him going to uh, the Giants in the fourth round, kind of uh, Seahorn. Uh, 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 lives uh, in Giants. Uh, the we got to give the white guy the JCC. Come no, on, no, I'm not saying it's a comp. I'm saying we haven't seen a white corner in a long time. Uh, shout out to Seahorn uh, in the Giant with, with the Giants. So I had Moss going to the Giants there in my mock in the fourth round. So uh, I mean, just hey, it's a we don't see it very often. And so so some will tell you he needs to play safety. Uh, let, let's let's let him play corner. Let's see what he can do. It, it, it will be very interesting to see where he goes because it, he is he's very fast, very explosive. And yeah, there's there's value to be had on day three among the corners. But Dane's going to be telling you about the value on days one, two and three. So, Dane, get rested up because <laughs> next week is going to be very, very busy. Oh, for I you. cannot wait. I cannot wait. It's going to be fun. I mean, it's a. Uh... Uh, we're, we're, yeah, we're just over a week away and we still have no idea what's going to happen in the top 10. And honestly, I am perfectly okay with that. I would rather it be unpredictable Mm -hmm. and fun the night of the draft where we're all reacting in real time. Um, so it's, it's going to be, now do you, do you think we see any trades before, uh, say an hour before the draft or do you think it's all going to happen pretty close to when the picks are being made? I just will the Rodgers thing happen yeah. 
before the draft because mm-hmm. you know obviously the the Packers want the Jets first rounder. We'll see if that happens or not because that you would have no. to do it before the draft. Or, I, and the Jets aren't going to do it. They're, no, the, and they they feel like they've got the leverage. So you got that. Does something happen with Lamar Jackson? Does does somebody who's quarterback needy go ahead and bite and say, you know what, I will give Lamar the amount of money he wants. And then that means those trade they're trading to the Ravens and then do the Ravens right. draft a quarterback. So yeah. that, a that's, that's tricky. Yeah. So I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. Uh, it, again, if the, the thing we topped the show with, if the Texans don't go quarterback, that's like chum in the water. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. Then it's a frenzy. After the, that, the domino effect of okay, where do, what does that mean for for Will Levis? What does that mean? And remember, the Texans have pick number twelve. Mm-hmm. If they want to play around a little bit and maybe move up and go get Will Levis at pick number six, pick number seven, they can do that. They can. And now, I don't think you should get cute. If you like Will Levis that much, take him with the sec- second pick. You know, like I mean, get your quarterback. Make sure you're doing it the right way. Don't, but th- you, you don't don't pull a Mike Mayock. What I realize is a quarterback, but the Cle- Cleveland for all way high. Well, no, but Alex quarter- Leatherwood quarterbacks are a little different. It, it, yeah. If you're if you're willing to draft Will Levis at pick trade up and get him at pick seven, then take him at two. You know, it's it's a matter yeah. of because obviously you want value, but let's make sure we get the quarterback part right. And so now I think in a perfect world they're able to trade back a little bit, still get whoever it is they want, and you know get extra value for it, but. Yeah, I mean, watch this. It'll be a moot point, and they take yeah. C.J. Stroud, which honestly, again, Nick Casario is the one making the picks. If at the end of the day, they come to the conclusion that, you know, yes, we could wait, we could be more patient, but we feel good enough about C.J. Stroud, then, you know, let's uh, let's make sure everyone's on board and let's just run up the pick and we'll feel good about it. It's, it's going to be absolutely fascinating, entertaining. Yes. It's going to be great. Cannot wait to see what happens, and we'll be right here for you here at the Athletic Football Show. This was the Athletic Football Show.